Blog Talk Radio. It's a Gridiron Stud Show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. All right, ready to serve that breakfast toast on a Friday. It is a football Friday here on the Great Iron Stud Show. We're getting closer, Emil, to the end of all football. For the, uh, That's it. It's all over unless unless you're going to start watching the All-Star games, I guess, right? The, the Pro Bowl. Yeah, the well, Pro even Bowl. Well, even that's going to be over soon dead. enough. Yeah, Pro Bowl has been dead to me for quite some time. Um, actually, the Pro Bowl is before the before. I know. I just I, I remember Chad. I was dating myself as I just said that. I'm like, wait a second. Now they play the Pro Bowl the week in between. Okay. Yeah, whose genius idea was that? Nevertheless, uh, we are on, and we are going to talk the NFC Championship game today, the AFC Championship game today, and all other things related to the game of football. If you want to reach us on the show today, it's 347-633-9365. But we'll kick it off, Emil, with, uh, let's call this an off-the-field topic. Um, like to go off the beaten path every now and then. Uh, what is, you know, there's always things going viral. Let's just say that. You know, and I have my choice of those things. As I go through the timeline today, we can talk about Stacey Dash and her comments about there should be no BET or a Black History Month that has dominated the timeline is the uh, um, good-looking lady that insists on breastfeeding her kids uh, and videotaping it for all to see. There's that going on today. Uh, there are a number of things that are going on. But a uh, big story yesterday, especially locally down here, was the young lady that is a medical student at Jackson Memorial Hospital, a very popular hospital in Dade County, who, for one reason or another, decided to attack uh, an Uber driver. And not only did she uh, attack him, Emil, she got inside his car um, without permission and decided to clean his car out for him, throwing every living thing he had in the car outside of the car. And you had a chance to watch it. What are your thoughts on, on this lady? We'll just start there. Well, I mean, without without sounding like the grumpy old man, it is it is pervasive in our society at this point. We have kids... I think, you know, and, and, and can't, kids learn from usually, you know, you, you always, as they say, there's once in a while you get a bad egg. You could have three good kids and one one crazy one, but usually they learn from their parents. And that's really, you know, the entitlement society we live in. You know, I'm entitled to be as drunk as I want, uh, to be, you know, boisterous, to call you names, and you're still going to give me a ride home because I'm entitled to that. And, you know, if anybody watches that video and comes away with any other opinion than that, I'd love them to call a show and explain to me how that's not what they see or some, you know, fashion of what I'm saying. I mean, do you disagree? No, but uh, what do we? What What about her being drunk? Uh, being drunk has been an excuse for a lot of things, anywhere from infidelity to um, I don't know, saying the wrong things maybe at a banquet. What do we What do we say about that? Is, well, I mean, wait a second. Drunk? You know, the biggest drug in our society, and you and I have probably talked about this at some point in our friendship because we've been friends a long time 
is alcohol. Okay, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I like I like my bourbon, but the thing of it is, you know, I like I like it in moderation. Um, it's a drug. I mean, if you're you're kidding yourself if you think it's not a drug. You know, the only reason it's not called a drug is because we've accepted it socially in our society. Honestly, being drunk is no different than, in my opinion, you know, being high. You can abuse both of them. You know, um, so for some reason that seems to be, you know. People try to excuse their behavior when they're drunk, as you pointed out. But you know what? You're responsible for how much you drink. No different than an athlete is responsible for what they put in their body. And if they put in something that's on a banned list, tough luck. You, you know, read the label, talk to the trainer. Same thing here. You know, you know, you know, if you want to go out and have a, a drink or two and a good time, and you know, not not be crazy, I'm all for that. You want to do what she was doing? That's ridiculous. And she's a medical student. I mean, seriously. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I don't think anyone would disagree with your, you know, characterization of uh, her attitude and, you know, uh, all that. I mean, no one's going to, you know, if you look at the video, <laughs> you definitely have your eyebrows raised because she just completely lost her mind, especially when she sat in a man's car without permission and told him to get the F back in the car, you piece of crap. And the word crap was not what was used. And, you know, How about at the that name point, she I called think the him? ride was canceled. What was that? How about the names that she called him? Yeah, she called, that I mean, she, was going to, you know, and dare him to a ride. But, hey, you know, <laughs> what do you say on that one? Um, a little bit hilarious, but here's the fallout. The, uh, the, the hospital at which she was working to become a doctor has uh, put her on suspension, so to speak. No doubt it seems like that's going to end up in some kind of permanent removal, which is unfortunate for her because – we all know how many years of uh, studying and school you got to go to to get to that point, and she's probably put a serious crimp in those plans. Do you think, Amol, that should be the the penalty for it? Is, is, was this just one bad night, or should she have a uh, serious career roadblock here? No, I don't. Well, listen, I'm not ever going. I don't know enough about about her, obviously, from a video to know what her history is and what you know what type of person she is. Um, you know, I do know that you know. Typically, when you get drunk and you start saying stuff, a lot of times it reveals um, the type of person you are. It's almost like a truth serum. Like some people get drunk and they're silly and happy. You know, then that's usually what they are. Some people get drunk and they kick their dog, which means you know they've got a lot of hate in their heart to me. You know, some people get drunk like her and they become a total a hole, for lack of a better word. So. You know, am I going to say she shouldn't be a doctor because of it? I mean, she might be 24 years old. No, what I am going to say is she definitely needs some anger management counseling, no doubt, and probably some alcohol counseling because if if that's how if she's drinking that much to act like that, uh, you know, she probably needs some help now. And then if she doesn't if she doesn't agree, well, then maybe it is a roadblock. I mean, obviously, in the current state she's in, I don't want her touching me if she's a doctor someday. Yeah, and you know that's that's uh, that's a part of this thing too. Um, if if that's what you've got going on, let's hope you don't have an alcohol problem because God in heaven knows uh, what could possibly happen to a patient if she were to show up somehow a little inebriated to work one day, which you know can possibly happen. If she's going to tear up the inside of an Uber, what would she do to uh, some patient? in the hospital. So I, I'm a little bit torn on that. You know, it could be just this one-time thing that you had, uh, this complete meltdown, though I, you know, I, I would tend to doubt it. But it, that could be the case. And 
do you after what seven or eight years of of schooling now have to find a different career because uh you know you did this and it was well i do think that would be over overreaction if there's without context we don't know in other words if she has a bunch of incidents uh, on a record there well sure that may be the final result here but we don't know without context it's hard to say because in our society we do also overreact a lot of times to a first incident you know everybody wants to jump on the moral you know the, their moral horse and and penalize people beyond the crime if this you know if, if she went off the reservation so to speak here it's a one-time thing i'd say hey get you, first of all you obviously have some anger issues because that came out of you 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 probably have some alcohol we, issues I think, though, Amy, I think we overreact to um footage video and things of that nature i think if this was not if this were not filmed and uh they got a detailed story of the hospital about what took place I don't know that this would be the action that they would have taken. Um, she would have probably been called in. A serious talk to would have would have been had. But since it's out there now, and the hospital feels like she was representing them to everyone out there, uh, I think they feel obligated in some sort of way to take action because they will face a backlash. And to be honest, well, with yeah, you, but. You're also making the tree in the forest argument. I mean, just because years ago we didn't know the extent of the the actions doesn't mean they. they I mean, in other words, she would have been if we didn't have a, a phone on that, you know, a camera phone on her. She was just as bad. I mean, and still a ton of people saw it and were going to go home and tell other people. It's just that now right, because right, it's I, viral I, and whatever. I think it boils down to the number of people that are able to see it now because it, the video has gone viral. Uh, now you're getting now you're going to get this kind of reaction whereas if it was just those local people there that night in that particular area i don't know that the uh, reaction would have been the same yeah proud parents huh how'd you like to be you know hey your friend sends you a video oh here's your daughter beating up an uber driver yeah, yeah so you know there you go there you go so that's that situation there just one of those things that gone viral i i mean i found a little humor and then also sad in it but um i don't know where she, i don't know how she thought she was going to get a ride after that rage i think it was done she really wanted yeah, to but, get in the car but don't you think that you know a lot of this has to do with what what kids at that you know she grew up with basically you know she looked like she was in her mid-20s i'm guessing you know she grew up with reality tv so a lot of this stuff has just been blown off it's like you know on tv they do this stuff and the next day they laugh about it in the apartment or whatever the show happens to be you know the between the kardashians and everything else i don't know i think a lot of kids that age have you know they're not dealing with 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 the reality that perhaps someone older is you know i, I don't know that's just I guess it's me being yeah, well, that, being old. That, that much is clear. That you know, that's been hammered home to uh to our generation from our parents and so on and so forth and so the the uh, cycle continues. All right, let's let's move to uh the field sort of. I've got a little bit of a kick out of this. Um you know, Chip Kelly's trying to put a staff together there in in San Francisco and he offers the defensive coordinator job to Mike Vrabel of New England Patriots fame from his playing days. He's also a coach now, and he's moved up kind of quickly. Uh, he was at Ohio State. He moved on to coaching the linebackers for the Houston Texans, his current job, and then he's offered. Now, this is a promotion, a uh, defensive coordinator job in San Francisco, a lovely town, a lovely place, uh, and turned it down. Why do you think that is, Amy? 
I was just, you know, I didn't know the result of that. You're just filling me in on that part of it. So I, my, I was about to yell, Mike, as a career counselor, do run. Do not take this job. So you just actually confirmed what I would have told Mike Grable. So if you're asking me why, so basically you're gonna, your real question is, why would you give him that advice? Well, here's why I'd give him that advice. Because, Mike, you're never going to be successful, and you know it. There's the, yeah, and this is your first – this is going to be your first uh, job as a coordinator. And, um, you know, it's not like you're coming into this thing with a resume that may overshadow anything that happens in San Francisco. Your first crack at it is going to be you facing 80 plays a game uh, and, and, and possibly for – a head coach now, he's not the general manager, but uh, an, a coach that's a little bit more focused on offense, which in, and that could also be in the acquisition of talent. I'm telling you, what's this say for Chip Kelly if he can't get a defensive coordinator that he was trying to promote from a position coach? Could be a tough job. Uh, well, it says to me, and, and this this might sound this might sound funny because he's a professional football coach. That Chip has the understanding of how some of the pieces fit together in football of your average fan. Listen, I can't speak for you because I, other than me, I think you know we're all fans. But I think you probably run around with a crowd of guys down there that you know that coach or played in Division mm-hmm. One or above. So most of these people, I suspect, truly understand how the parts fit together, uh, you know, in in football. I I have a mm-hmm. lot of friends that are fans. They really don't get it. You know, they'll 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 pick up some statistics and they'll you know they'll be blowing up your phone with this this defense stinks or this stinks, and you try to explain to them, well, it very well may stink, but but here's how this offense is impacting it, and they don't want to hear any any anything of that, you know. And I think guys like Avrabel, he understands. Listen, this guy is going to run. He's going to do what he does. He's going to run 70 to 80 plays a game if he can on offense. I'm going to be the defensive coordinator that has to deal with that. I'm going to look like crap. So why do I want yeah. that for, as my first job? So more than likely, you know, he's going to have to really be on his game to get a good hire there. He's probably going to have to dig into someone really, really looking for an opportunity, and it's not likely that um, he's going to be able to recycle someone through there, unless it's someone out of the game that was really, really looking to get back in. But, man, what an intro back into the game this would be because, you know, quite frankly, all you're doing is, is like you said, facing 70, 75, 80 plays a game, and that gets to be a tough road to hold for a uh, defensive coordinator because things slid down. Things really slid downhill defensively there for, for the Philadelphia Eagles over the last two seasons. Can we admit that? Oh, bad, 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 bad. So, um, you know, I mean, I just think he's going to have to dig. He's probably going to be finding somebody. I, I, I hate to use that term about a person, but I'm saying is their career is on the scrap heap a little bit, and, you know, they're willing to take anything to prove that they can still, you know, still do it. So I, I, that would be my guess at this point because it doesn't seem like he's going to come up with a premium hire because I think a lot of the guys in the game, they know what they're up against. And as you always say, one of the best things a coach can do is picking the right jobs, and the ones that are going to be great coaches are usually smart enough to see that very early on. Like, listen, yeah, you know, I might I might get a short-term gain, some stature, a bump in salary, but long-term, you know, this might set me back in my career. And I think a guy like Vrabel, who's always struck me as a pretty smart guy, he sees that really clear. Yeah, that and he probably got some pretty decent advice from someone somewhere. Uh, and that, as that may go. Well, listen, when he was hired at Michigan, 
we expected them to uh, expected them to have some big battles on the field. And we're talking about Ohio State and Michigan. We didn't exactly get that this year, but I'll tell you what, Emil, on the recruiting trail, we're getting some serious battles with Michigan and Ohio State. We've got Coach Jim Harbaugh doing sleepovers and climbing trees to get recruits, and Urban Meyer is down here in South Florida grabbing up some of the top guys. I'm, Emil, really looking forward to both the battles on and off the field between these two titans in the Big Ten. Well, yeah, the way I mean, at some point you, you wonder if the Big Ten, and I guess you, I'm not sure you do this, but I think it was, you know, as you and I talked about, I think it's the way they set their divisions up is really terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. if you just base it on the history of of the programs, they've really loaded up the one division, and the other division not yeah, so much. Yeah, I guess they I mean, tried to do something geographical and quite work out. Yeah, sometimes you have to think things through. I mean, you know, I mean, I know a lot of these guys have pride. Hey, we can compete with them. But listen, if you sat down and said, who are the the strongest programs historically in that conference? You, you know, you'd say, well, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State's always, you know, going back to the, the 50s and 60s, had, you know, great programs. Bubba Smith played there. And then Penn State, you know, who, who's down right now, they were a power. So all four of those are in one division. I mean, basically, on the other side, you got Nebraska, and kind of Wisconsin's new to this party. Nebraska's been down, Wisconsin's been up, but basically they have that division so lopsided. And as you said, I'm looking forward to seeing these two guys battle, but I would love to see it in separate divisions so many years that, you know, that championship game would come down to them. Now, the argument's going to be, will they play every year the last game of the year? And you and I have talked about that. If they moved them in divisions, it would be interesting. I think they'd actually have to – you know, you know, kind of finagle that 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 Michigan Ohio State game to to maybe the beginning of November or something because they would think, hey, these guys are going to play every once in a while for a championship, and back to back weeks really isn't fair. You want to see that game twice every year? In the current setup of college football, it wouldn't bother me if they earn that right to play twice a year. I mean, I saw USC I Stanford twice this year; it didn't kill me. Yeah, I wouldn't want to see I wouldn't want to see the Ohio State Michigan game twice in a season just because I know there is a decided advantage if the two teams happen to be anywhere near to being equal. There's a decided advantage for the team that lost the first matchup and I'd hate to say, "Hey, you know, you know Michigan advanced because you know, Ohio State had the better team." But Michigan had all of the advantages in in the second game, which was the championship game. I wouldn't well, want to see something like that. We can call it the Chad Wilson strategy. I'm not moving Michigan State over to the other side. I'd be cool with that too. I mean, I, I mean, listen, that that would be good too. But remember, Michigan State and Michigan are going to want to play every year, and there's nothing to say they wouldn't rematch. You know, what I'm saying you're kind of once you go to divisions, you're kind of between the proverbial you know rock and a hard place. Michigan and Ohio State are going to be want, they're going to want to be guaranteed of playing each other every year, okay? So that you you can't get rid of the regular season matchup. And it's the same deal Michigan Michigan State. The Pac-12 has the same issue. When they set that up, the California schools said, "Listen, we're not giving up that." So if you notice you you don't pay enough attention perhaps, but the rotation in the Pac-12 is such that USC and UCLA play Stanford and Cal every year regardless. And then they rotate mm-hmm the other games. So this year is a year where USC and Stanford play twice. That's the, I think the oldest rivalry in the conference, believe it or not, as far as the number of times the teams have met. 
you know, people in the East don't realize that. They don't pay as much attention. But it, it didn't kill anybody if they played twice. It ha- it's going to happen from time to time. It's not like Michigan and Ohio State, no matter what we think of Harbaugh and Meyer, they're not going to win their division every year. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, this is true. I mean, it, w- it wouldn't kill me. So in other words, be, like, Amo, just as simple of, as trading uh, either Michigan or Ohio State out for another team, or is there, do you think there's more that would need to be done? Well, without giving it a lot of thought, I think that would be a good start. I mean, you you and I have talked about, look at the divisions, the way it's, you know, you kind of get the way it's set up now with the coaching. You know, the the one team wins that one division. It's like a a battle royal between right now Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. And then the other side, you kind of get a, eh. I mean, Iowa goes, you know, they lose the Big Ten title game. We all think, well, yeah, but it was close, blah, blah, blah. They go, they get totally annihilated in the Rose Bowl. I mean, let's face it. We went through Iowa's schedule. I give them credit for winning every game. They they won every game early in the season because of what you said. They played football the right way, but they weren't. I mean, come on. You 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 saw their schedule. They weren't a 12 and 0 team. Had they had to play on the other side of that division, they probably have three or four losses. So I mean, the way it's set up now, it's 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 so lopsided. You you're having th- those three teams plus if Penn State gets good again, you're having them kill each other and the other side you could potentially have a year where wisconsin has a strong team they're playing nobody yeah you're always going to have uh, a really good record coming out of that west you know whoever the team happens to be that you're year good, you're always you're right they do they do got a little bit of a problem there i doubt five years from now this is how the conference is going to look because of all things point to Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State just getting better and better. And, uh, you know, the division not even being, not just being so top-heavy, but one-sided in terms of the the divisions. We're going to jump into a quick break. We're going to continue our college football discussion. If you want to join in with us today, the number to call is 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. There is one college football conference out there that's considering doing something that they uh, haven't had in a while. We'll talk about what that is when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away, whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year. T-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself, and they'll look great. That's right, with Heat Transfer Paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording, whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, 
The paper soul at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. 1-857-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Hey, hey, hey. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoffs. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! We're back on a football Friday on a good iron set show. Chad Wilson, Amo Calamino here with you. Staying on our discussion of college football. You know, we just finished talking about the Big Ten and how their conference is all aligned and, you know, misaligned and all these other things because you've got Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State all lumped in one side of the conference. What other conference that's out there that's the lone wolf in the uh, Power Five that has, uh, I think, experienced the uh, sting of not having a championship game, and they've also experienced somewhat of an advantage of not having a championship game in this whole college football playoff thing that's two years old. And, of course, I'm talking about the Big 12 Conference, who last year uh, was all up in arms about neither TCU or Baylor being included in the whole party that they had at the end, two good teams who, uh, you know, many could make the argument at least one of them deserved to be in that final four. And then this year you had an Oklahoma team that uh, was, by all intents and purposes, good enough to be in the championship game. But in hindsight, had there been a Big 12 championship game, Amal, there's a strong chance that Oklahoma might not have been in the final four, nor would the Big 12 have had a representative in this year's college football playoff. Do you agree or disagree with that? Oh, I disagree. I mean, I agree, I should say, that they probably wouldn't have made it, or at least there would have been a strong possibility that they didn't. Um, you know what I've said all along. I think that we're we're ten times better off than we were a long time ago with this playoff. I think the final tweak is to get the eight teams in the five power 
conference, five, the Power Five conference champions in automatically and put them all on the same platform of playing a championship game. I don't think you can do it one way or another. I mean, if you're going to let conferences dictate, you, you know, you don't have a true playing field. I mean, it's not fair that, you know, uh, the SEC, the Pac-12, uh, the Big Ten, the ACC, they go beat the hell out of each other another week, and the Big 12 champion sits around and, you know, twiddles their thumbs, you know, the years that they're in, like this year, even though it didn't work out for Oklahoma. Um, I, I just don't think that's right. I think you should get everybody on the same platform, get all five of the power five in. And then if, at that point, you, you will not hear me uh, bitch very much about the actual format, maybe just the fact that they're playing the games on New Year's Eve. That's about it. But I will leave the format alone. Ha. Yeah, you know, the Big 12 is still pondering the idea. Um, they're at least giving it some thought, which I think they probably did ever since B Baylor and TCU got snubbed in the inaugural college football playoff. But some of the things that they are saying is that, the, you know, a conference should have the right to choose how they determine a champion. And in my opinion, sure, uh, I, I agree with that. Just you don't have the right to cry if the way that you choose doesn't lead to you being a part of the 14 playoff at the end. Well, and I would just penalize it. In other words, listen, you're going to have a hard time, and, you know, of, of course I'll get charged with being a homer. You're going to have a hard time convincing me that, that the Pac-12 champion is almost like the SEC champion. They should be in automatically. And this year I think Stanford proved that to everybody when they kicked the stuffing out of, out of an Iowa team that it took 100 plays for Michigan State to drive the field and beat in a, a, week, a week or two earlier in the big uh, 10 tie, title game. You know, I mean, I just – you, most people who pay attention to this stuff will tell you that outside of the SEC, the Pac-12 is the second-best conference. They produce tons of professional talent. So for me, it's real simple. The Big 12, does, if they don't get on board, I would just leave them out every year if I was on that committee. You'd be like, okay, enjoy your little conference thing. Would it just, <laughs> would it just be um enough for you to say well look no conference championship game you're just not in this thing like automatically eliminate them would that be the well case? here's the reason they can't do that and this is why in the current format they can't because they don't want to exclude notre dame that's why i go back to saying it first of all i think you need to have the eight the eight five i talked about the eight teams with five automatics because of of just that there's five major conferences but more importantly at that point you wouldn't care if, if the Big 12 wants to determine their champion without a conference title game, fine. You're in automatically. You won the conference. We acknowledge you're one of the five best conferences in college football. And that would give you the opportunity then to let Notre Dame in as a, an at-large and all that good stuff. But uh, in the current format, I don't know how they can allow it to happen because you're only taking four of the five, and one of them is not playing on a level playing field. I just don't think it's right. I mean, first of all, but look, go next year when you get a chance, if, you, if you're on next break, go look at like a team like Baylor, who's going to have a very good team next year again. Go look at their, their out-of-conference schedule. They've got three or four automatic wins scheduled, and then they go play in the conference. So basically what you're saying is if Baylor beats two teams next year, let's say Oklahoma and TCU are good, they're, they're going to be 12-0 and or 11-1. and I mean, it's not to me it's just not okay. right when you have a you you got a team like Alabama, I, I, say, pardon? Again, I think the both of us will agree then that, yeah, you know, Big 12, let's get your act together. Let's get a conference championship game, for if for no other reason, simply because the other four conferences have it like that. So if they're doing it, 
you need to do it too. So let's say they are going to, they agree they need to have this or that uh, the NCAA forces them to have that. Who are we putting in that Big 12? Because you need 12 teams. Let's not I even get obvious. into why the Big 12 doesn't have 12 teams. One of them is obvious to me. Houston. Houston has been, it's a huge television market, okay? Huge television markets. It's one of the reasons Texas A&M was sucked up by the SEC, because they, they creep into that Houston market. So you get a huge television market with an up-and-coming program. They were an old member of the Southwest Conference. And if you really take a look at the Big 12, they have quite a few members of that old Southwest Conference, from TCU to Baylor to Texas Tech to Texas. Uh, you know, so... Houston is a no-brainer, and then I'd have to search and look around, and you know, because obviously at the state of SMU football, I I don't want SMU in the Big Twelve, and I don't think the Big Twelve wants SMU in the Big Twelve. So, uh, what do you what do you say then to um, uh, a BYU being in there? Uh, I'd probably be okay with that. You know, the conference is pretty far. You know, Texas Tech is in what? It's out in Lubbock, which is in the western part of Texas. You're almost oh, into New listen, Mexico, if I'm not mistaken. Let's throw away geography in this whole thing because no one has – they long ago since cared, stopped caring about where teams located as it relates to being in a conference. We think we can well, I'm not saying that. as a fan. I'm saying more from a travel perspective. I know a lot of these conferences don't care, but to – to some extent, you, you you try to consider that, and I think to, I think BYU would be a fine fit. I mean, they're not that far away. It's in Colorado. Colorado used to be the University of Colorado used to be a member of the, uh, the whatever it was at the time, the Big Eight, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe even the Big Twelve before moving out west. I mean, I don't see why why you couldn't take BYU and put them in there. BYU and Houston to make that league a night. I mean, that'd be a nice league if you had those two teams. It would be a nice league, but I think the bigger question and the stronger question here is, because we just talked about it with the Big Ten, how do you split this conference up? Who are you putting on one side who are you putting on the other? Where do you start? Well, here's here's what I do. Let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Let Let me just scan my computer. Okay, here's what I would do. Simple. I would have a north and a south. Okay, I draw a line on the map. North Oklahoma. I think that's where your first problem starts. Okay, let, let me finish. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, mm-hmm. Kansas State, mm-hmm. Iowa State, Kansas. Okay? You with me? You know, let so me I've write Oklahoma. You know, I'm one of them visual guys, so let's do this again. Oklahoma. Oklahoma State. Yeah. West Virginia. Okay. Kansas State. A state, Iowa, and Kansas. And frankly, I'd, I, if it wasn't for basketball, I'd ask Kansas to leave. But th- basketball is very yeah. good, so we'll let them stay in the conference. Because I'm, a, I'm right. a real. I... Now I go to the south. The well, my south. Let's let's verbalize here. You don't have to write it down. But we have TCU, Baylor, Texas Tech, Texas, and my two new members, Houston and BYU. Okay. I think that would be a big windfall for, for Houston um, if they were able to slide themselves in the Big 12. And how sure good would that start? Listen, you, you'd, I've basically, aside from BYU, put together the remnants of the old Southwest Conference, okay? The old Southwest Conference, the three teams that are missing from that, right, that what I just put together there for you, are Texas mm-hmm. A&M, who's in the SEC, Arkansas, who's in mm-hmm. the SEC, and SMU, who says they're still playing football, but nothing on the field uh, leads me to believe that, okay? 
Oh, man, you can blame that on the Pony Express. They've just never been the same since. Yeah, I mean, they've only had 30 years to fix it. But, yeah, <laughs> come on, the Pony Express. Hey, man, 30 hey, years. When they be- it's a death penalty. You're not even supposed to be playing anywhere. It's called a death penalty for a reason. So, uh, you know, oh yeah, they, I mean they took out SMU like like the government took out Ted Bundy, no doubt about it. Nah, there you go. <laughs> All right, uh, I just found this other thing too. We can probably end our college football discussion on this. I'm not, you know, bringing any earth-shattering news here, but in just sitting here looking at the standings, just observing the points scored and the points against. Uh, there's no listen. I'm not again. I'm not. You know, telling anyone anything new here. But when I look at who scored 500 points or more during the entire season as I go through these conferences, the Big 12, who, again, I need to remind you, has 10 teams in it, had half of their teams score over 500 points this season, um, including some teams that, you know, just didn't have, you know, winning records in the conference. And the uh, Big 10 it was the only school with zero. Not one of their teams scored over 500 well, points this year. This isn't this is an off-season discussion, but I want to talk about this. We could spend a good chunk of a show in the off-season talking about this. I really think college football needs to begin to look at the timing rules. Okay, I'm okay if you want to run hurry up as a strategy. I'm not going to go all Nick Saban on you and tell you you can't do it as long as you allow me to substitute with your substitutions. But we're always talking about player safety player safety, player safety, and automatically it goes to concussions. People get hurt as they get tired. And if you look at these college football games, you have teams running 100 plays in a game on each side, or 90-some. You know, so, you, you know, that's way, way, way too many plays. Look at the difference from that in your average NFL game where there's 60 plays on each side. Listen, I love football, and I like to see as much of it as I can, but I just don't think it's right to ask – 18 to 21 year old kids to play that many plays and that's not even counting special teams by the way i'm talking about snaps offensive and defensive it's not even counting special teams i think it's a whole show because i think it's a safety question it's not about how we like to see the game i think the timing rules in college football really need to be addressed because they allow for too many plays we don't need to stop the clock anymore after first downs that's a crazy old Mm -hmm. rule you don't you don't realize over the course of a game when there's 30 first downs how much time that's adding to the game, even if it's 10 to 12 seconds of first down, multiply that by 30. You just added five minutes. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and, and, look, the offensive guys love it, and I don't know how much of a move they can make to, you know, fix something like that. But, um, you know, there'd be a push against it, obviously. But, yeah, that'd be one way. I, I, I've also often thought about that. What about the stopping of the clock after the first down? But really, Emil, um, how many more plays a game do you think that's throwing on there? I'm trying to find a box score. Here well, okay, let's do this. Pretend you got two of these big Big 12 teams, because this is where it really gets egregious. Each of them rack up 30 first downs. And let's say to move the sticks, it takes 10 seconds. Let's just be simple. So I've got 60 first downs by 10 seconds. That's 600 mm-hmm. seconds divided by 60. That's 10 minutes of clock that I've added. And if I'm counting passes and everything else, let's say there's two plays per minute minimum, I'm adding 20, 30 plays, between 20 and 30 plays a game in some cases, depending on who's playing. So when run up against the NFL, these players are basically playing 
um, an NFL season if you make it all the way to the Super Bowl. I guess that's basically what you're saying. I don't buy any of this. I'm a cynical person by by nature when, when the powers tell me something, okay? I've said this. We've had sap on the show. This whole thing in the NFL, concussions. We care about concussions. No, you don't. What you care about is getting sued. If you cared about guys getting hurt, you wouldn't be making them play on three days rest every week. We have a Thursday game every week. Don't tell me about safety. And it's the same thing with these kids. The, the timing rules are because people that like college football find find their game entertaining and they want to be different than the NFL. So, you know, we're going to stop the clock after first downs because that's what we always did. And we're going to do this. And and if you go look, I mean, I mean, I, we could pull it up someday for a show we do on this what the average amount of plays are in, in, a, in a college football game. We won't use the extremes. I guarantee you the average plays are somewhere around 150 in a game, and the NFL is 120. There's, the NFL, you pull up a box score. Most games, there's 120 plays from scrimmage if you had the two teams together. In the NFL, sure. Yeah, somewhere so around these, these, kids are, these kids are playing 30 more plays a game on average, I guarantee you, if you go look it up. And it's 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 ridiculous. Well, I'm, looking to at, me. I'm looking at a game, a fairly high-scoring game in the Big Twelve. Uh, I pulled Baylor versus West Virginia, which ended up with 100 points scored in a game. Go ahead and get your laughs in on that. It was 62-38 yeah. final in favor of Baylor. And um, I'm looking on one side here. Baylor ran 84 plays in the game, and again, this is not including special teams because you know you, you get a lot of backups on that. Uh, and right. then on the other side, you you had uh, 83 plays ran by West Virginia. Certainly above okay. above the average, but I pulled a high scoring game here. You know, I don't you know I don't know where you would go to in the NFL per se to go grab a game that was on the high end, but um, you well, probably. Wait, see, I think this is why this needs a whole show because then we're into a whole other discussion. The the, the overtime rules in college, we're going to play until someone wins. You could have six overtimes, my friend. How many extra plays is that? Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt about that, and you know that's why I think. I get upset, you know, and everyone knows I've been on a big crusade against the whole um, targeting rule where you're kicking a player out of the game because, again, uh, just please stop telling me you care all that much about the concussion. What you care about is the litigation that might come as a result right. of um, a concussion or the lawsuits that come later. So you want to be able to just say that you, you, you are doing something, and uh, that that is it. And it's costing it's costing players. I can't wait till guys really start going low on those plays where Can someone's somebody, coming across. Listen, this kind of segues. We're going to go into our next, you know, NFL segment. But all week we heard people crying. Now all of a sudden, because their darling Aaron Rodgers never got to touch the ball in overtime, because Arizona scored a touchdown. Help me with I this. Found what that is so irritating com- conversation? I found that very yeah, irritating. But- very, very irritating. But what's so hard about this in general as a concept for overtime at both the major levels? We flip a coin or we go rock, paper, scissors because apparently flipping a coin is becoming difficult. Okay, We kick off. Somebody gets the ball. They go down. They score a touchdown. They kick off. The other team scores a touchdown. Now they have a choice. They can go for two and end the game or kick an extra point. They choose to kick the extra point. Now it's sudden death. Each team touched the ball. You decided you didn't want to go for two. If they kick a field goal, the game's over. In other words, what's so hard about saying that each team is going to touch the ball on offense once? So the first team gets the ball. They punt. The next team gets the ball. They kick a field goal. Just like now, the game's over. It's over. I mean, what's so hard about saying if the first team scores a touchdown, 
the other team at least gets the ball at all levels. And we just play regular football. We kick off, and if they play 15 minutes, it's a tie. I think that'd be an exciting way to handle the overtime. Because if that first team goes out and scores, you, you know what it is. You're going for it on fourth downs. You're throwing a Hail Mary. Uh, you know, you're trying to get a And here's what else it does for you. Chad, think about this. Goal. Think about this as a coach. You're a coach now, okay? In that Arizona game, they score. They kick the extras, 27-20. You're the Green Bay coach. You get the ball back. Rodgers goes right down the field, 27-26. Now you're left with the decision. This is exciting. Do I try to end it here, or do I kick the extra? kick off and pray to God that my defense doesn't give up a field goal and send me home. In other words, to me, it would be a dimension. But again, let me bring out the cynic. The NFL overtime rules have nothing to do with any of the things we're discussing. What they have to do with is this. The NFL fits in a beautiful three-hour package. One Mm o'clock, next game starts at 4.15. All they Mm -hmm. care about in the regular season is the games ending in the window. So it doesn't screw up TV, and that's what the current overtime rules do. And when they get to the playoffs, unfortunately, they can't completely change them. So they're left with a very flawed system of we flipped a coin, somebody scored a touchdown, the game's over. Yeah, um, like you said, this sounds like something we're going to have. A, one of, this is going to be one of those great off-season discussions that we have. We've at least teased it here, and it's something that we could pick up later. What we do need to pick up on are in these NFL playoffs. Who's coming to an end here? Who's moving on? Brady and Manning, they're at it again. Who's going to break that 2-2 playoff tie? And which one of these super quarterbacks from the NFC are going to be the representative for their conference in the Super Bowl? We'll talk about that and more when we return on the Gridiron Shed Show right after this. property owner or want to be one but you don't have time for property management then get an MVP on your team who has time for the letting process for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning dealing with deposit negotiations and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance no one's got time for that MVP does though get this MVP on your team you can rely on MVP property management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. OMG! Look at all of this paperwork. Are you a business owner and you're buried under a mountain of paperwork? You need an MVP on your team. And that MVP is MVP Business Concierge Services. They know that sometimes paperwork can get in between you and your customers. Why not spend the time doing what it is you do best? Getting new customers, handling the ones that you have now, and while you're doing that, you can have an MVP working for you. 
We know that tax season is the busiest time of the year for business owners. No more missing deadlines and getting IRS penalties for late filing. MVP Business Concierge Services will do all the hard work for you. They will streamline your payroll, streamline your finances, and have you on track. With trustworthy advisors that are very reliable, they will take the hard work away from you and get you back into what it is you're doing best. How do you get this MVP on your team? You call right now, 844-696-8722, 844-MY-MVP-CC, or send an email to info at mymvp.cc and get an MVP on your team today. Championship Football Friday weekend on the Gridiron Stud Show. Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino here with you. Well, uh, we're working our way down to this final show. I this to me, this is the biggest weekend uh, of the NFL year to me. This is yeah, you know we've found Super Bowls to be anticlimactic, and um, you know here here we are. Uh, I I like the championship weekend. I like uh, I guess the journey. I guess and. You know, this is the end of the journey for, for in my mind, as uh, the Super Bowl thing. Um, you know, that wasn't the case last year, but we've had plenty of Super Bowl blowouts. I particularly like these championship weekends right here. Here we are. Me, me too, and I guess I'm the atypical American sports fan because I'm one of those people that figures both teams that get to the Super Bowl, in my mind, are already winners. It just one's a really big winner. That's kind of, I mean, I guess... I'm more positive than so most Americans. you must Americans. Buffalo, New York, then. No, I just, you know, I've heard, I've had friends of mine say, if my team can't win the Super Bowl and they get there, I don't even want to get there. And I said, well, think about what you're saying. You don't know if they're going to win unless they get there. I said, there's no guarantee. I said, the Patriots went there 18-0 and one year and lost. Nobody knows if they're going to win unless they actually get in the game and play it. My view is, you get to the game, you won a conference. You won something. You're, you're, you're a winner. Now, you know, in our in our culture, for some reason, silver medals mean you're a loser. I never, you know, I don't know how being second out of a lot of people or a lot of teams makes you a loser. But you know, I, I view it as this is where you win a championship this week in your conference, and then then you go play for the big prize. And obviously, you want to win the whole thing. But that's why I love this weekend. I think you got two, you know, two championships being handed out. All right. Well, let's dive into these things. Let's break them down and come up with some picks for these games. Uh, before we get into the picks, uh, update us where we are record-wise in the NFL. We have to do it. We have to do it. We are, let's see here, 22 wins for me. I have 22 wins, 32 losses, and three pushes on the season. Somehow we picked three games that tied. And you, you, you have 22 wins, 31 losses, and three pushes. You're a half game ahead of me. Uh, we, we each won in college. We were both 29 and 24. Had the identical record on the season. Pros has not been have not been kind to us. How is it that you know, and we and we don't always 
we have very few games in which we pick the same team or we pick the same game. And here we are, a half game away from being equal in both NFL and college football. Funny how that happened this season. This is by far the worst NFL season we've ever had. Ever. Usually what happens nothing, is one of us, if, is, if one of us is bad, the other is good in one of these. You know what I'm saying? Like if, I, if one of us has a bad college season, someone will be really good. And Same thing if one of us, like last year, if you recall, I dominated the NFL. Well, you were really good at college. Yeah. And, and But nothing we do this weekend is going to take the stink off of the full year of uh, NFL picking that we've had. Uh, obviously, some adjustments will need to be made. But let's talk about New England and Denver. It's a, it's a rematch. These two teams got together at the end of November. Uh, the New England Patriots were an undefeated football team at the time, and they went out to Denver on a Sunday night and came up losers 30-24 to in that football game. Uh, there was no Peyton Manning in that contest, so that's a little bit of uh, you know a difference right here uh, coming into this one. Uh, I guess I'm I'm going first on this thing because I well let's set up the lines on both these games as of right now are both three points. Uh, the the New England Patriots are a three point favorite and the Carolina Panthers are a three point favorite. So go from there. Yeah, I will admit to this is the game I am less confident on. Um, I I. I know most people are going to be on the Patriots, but for me, I think I want to be on the Denver Broncos. Let me not say anything. I want to be on the Denver Broncos in this contest. Um, The Broncos, without Peyton Manning, were able to really run this football in the last contest. 179 yards rushing. It was the big reason, I believe, that they won this football game. Osweiler did play well, though. Uh, He was 23 of 42, 254 yards. I mean, they racked up a lot of yards in this contest. And the Patriots just couldn't run the ball. Now, I know for sure New England's going to come in here and be a little bit more committed to their ground attack. I'm just not so sure, Emil, that I think this is the point where all of the missing pieces that you've had this year, if you're the New England Patriots, really comes down and starts to bite you. Yes, I know they're getting Julian Edelman back. I understand that. But... The Patriots, I, I mean, this is where I think not having that solid ground game to rely on is going to come back to bite them. You had made mention of, on this in our opening segment on Tuesday about some of the choices they made late in the football game um, in terms of throwing the football to try and get a first down. And I think if you're a championship football team, when you find yourself in those situations, you're able to turn around and hand the football and ask your offensive line to move some people, barring some crazy lineup by the defense. But you can ask your offensive line to go move some people enough for you to get a running back through that hole and get get three yards, four yards, and another three yards. Am I right or wrong on that? No, I mean, you're, you're, you're – Yeah, I mean, listen, I, you know, as we segue into this game, I mean, just, just so we get, get it out of the way, I'm on the same side as you in this game. I like the Broncos plus the three. I'm not giving points to Denver Broncos, who have one of the historically great home field advantages. I mean, when I say home field, I think of three teams where there's a huge home field. Denver, Green Bay, and for some reason, Kansas City with that crowd. Um, I just feel that Denver can do some things on defense, which I kind of thought Kansas City could do. Uh, but I think you know Kansas City's lack of big game experience and and all that kind of hurt them a little in that game. They were in the game, but they just kind of couldn't get over the hump. I think at home here, 
Denver can do some things defensively to screw up New England. They've got the type of players both on the edge to get after Brady and in the secondary to kind of make a lot of that short stuff that New England likes to do where they're hitting guys on the run and they're turning five-yard catches into 12. I think they can take some of that stuff away, make it difficult, and as you say, I'm not sure New England really can. They, they told me what I needed to know in that game when they're throwing the ball to run the clock out. They're basically admitting we can't run the ball. So, uh, yeah, clearly. Uh, I think that's what the, the what the case was. We cannot impose our will on the defense in a time when we need that to happen. And that is, it's been a concern of mine all season long. You know I was saying that even when the Patriots were an undefeated football team and rolling through people. I said at some point the fact that you can't – you don't have a – you don't have a lot of confidence in a running game. It's going to come up to bite you, and I think this would be – the place where that would happen. And um, I just think... Chad, you know what's funny last week? um, I think, I don't know if you made mention of this, but um, in that game, you know, Peyton kind of, everybody was, you know, saying, oh, they scored 12 points the first 55 minutes of the game. He looked pedestrian. But you know what? There was nine dropped balls. I'm I'm not saying, you know, where a guy got his fingernail on the ball. I'm talking about balls that were catchable by any NFL receiver who doesn't, you know, uh, 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 worth his salt. Nine of them in that game. Mm-hmm. Think about how many drive-killing drops happen. I just can't see Denver, after dropping nine balls last week, doing it again this week. I mean, that was a key in that game. If you were yeah, dial your memory not. back. No, you yeah, would hope no, not. I mean, if they drop nine. So, so. you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to back the Broncos in, in this one. And especially as a home dog, especially as a, a team that finished the season, you know, at, at 13 and four, playing a home game here, getting getting points. I think they come out as the, the uh, if I could say, the matter team in this game. And I like them as an underdog in this one. So uh, we're both on Denver. Uh, we're heading on over to Arizona and Carolina. I'm listening to talk radio all this week and, you know, watching the, the uh, NFL games, uh, the NFL shows on TV. And I'm amazed, Emil, at the amount of people that are picking Arizona in this game. It just seems overwhelmingly that that's where people are going with this contest. And I'm completely puzzled as to why. And I'm not going to approach this thing as this some kind of trick going on here. I'm just simply going to be on the other side. How do you so definitively go away from Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. What have they done? They had one slip up, and it was after that super emotional game with all the, you know, all the, all the craziness that went on in that game against the New York Giants. They went on the road the next week against an Atlanta team that's in their division and lost the football game by seven points. That's the only blemish on Carolina's season. So I don't know where people get this. Hold, um, we're going to jump right on Arizona in this one. Well, let me tell you why we're at a fork in the road here, and we're going to disagree because I, I do like Arizona, and here's why. It's it's I've been a Cam Newton fan all year. I think the guy should win the MVP award. I really do, okay? And it's hard to be critical of either of these teams. One team comes in 14-3, and three, another team comes in 16-1. and one. So understand my comments are nitpicking because you have to nitpick because these are clearly, to me, two of the three best teams in football. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem is a couple things. I, I notice a trend in a lot of the games with Carolina, and if you look, they've got some age on that defense. They've had three games this year where they had huge leads, 
and really almost mm-hmm. squander them. The Green Bay Packer mm-hmm. game, the New York Giant game, and then last mm-hmm. week in Seattle. First of all, I think that Arizona played one of their worst games of the year against Green Bay. They just weren't sharp. They still won the game. Conversely, I think I think Carolina played one of their best halves of football all year to get out to a 31 nothing lead against Seattle. Um, I'm a little worried about that. I, I just don't see I don't see Arizona be, being ambushed like Seattle was in this game. I think if you look down the rosters. And, I mean, think about what I'm going to say here. You could very well pick Carolina and be right. But I think if you look down the rosters, I think Arizona's got a better roster than Carolina, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like that secondary. We, all year you and I have said, how does Cam Newton do this with those receivers? I mean, I thought Jericho, what's his name, Crotchety or Cotchery or whatever, I thought he retired. I didn't even know he was still playing. They Damn, destroyed the, the man's name, for God's yeah. sakes. But the guy, well, <laughs> I mean, he's one of the best receivers. Here's a trend I'm noticing. The Arizona Cardinals, uh, whether they've chosen to or that's just the way that it has been, have had a problem running the football the last three games. Um, mm-hmm. And they've kind of gone away from that. 26 carries in that first game against Green Bay, 13 carries in their game against Seattle, then 19 carries in their rematch here with Green Bay that they were able to win. Subsequently, the turnover totals, they had a run of four straight games where they never they didn't turn the football over, and I'm talking about Arizona. In these last three games where they couldn't find their running game, two turnovers, three turnovers, two turnovers. And if the Carolina Panthers do anything defensively, it's turn the ball over. They get you to turn the football over. Their last three games, I think they're averaging two and a half turnovers per game uh, defensively, and you're going to win a lot of football games when you do that. On the other side, it's hard to get Carolina to turn the ball over because um, they don't don't take a lot of chances there. This is a team that's going to line up and run the football at you, whether it's Camp, whether it's Jonathan Stewart, or whether it's the guy whose weight they're lying about um, in the backfield. They're saying that fullback, and his name escapes me right now. He's 240 pounds. What's that? No way. 240 pounds. Please stop the lie. The guy's an easy 265, 270. But nevertheless... They come at you like that, and it's very difficult to get them to turn the football over. Hell, they ran the ball 41 times in their game against uh, Seattle. So, yeah, uh, you might be disturbed about them giving up those leads, but you know what I'm more looking at? Look at these teams that have gotten these leads on. These are very good football teams, and they've absolutely pounded them. And I think with the Super Bowl on the line, I don't think Carolina falls asleep at the wheel. There's nothing to save yourself for anymore. This is your final push to get into that Super Bowl I'm going to back Superman. I'm going to back this guy that seems to have all all of the backing and confidence of his teammates. And, man, I'm just going to – in this home game, I'm going to stick with Carolina, man. I'm just going to roll with them. I think Carson Palmer and the boys continue to have problems running the football against a defense as good as this one. And I think we get those turnovers. And that's the one thing, if you're Arizona, you just can't do in this football game is get the ball. See, I like this because what this does is it guarantees that one of us is going to be ahead – going into the Super Bowl because we're we're both agreeing on the Broncos. Chad is going with the Carolina Panthers in the NFC minus the three. I am going to take the Arizona Cardinals plus the three. So obviously one of us is picking up a game here. You could have me shut out because you're up a half a game. Shut out going Mm -hmm. into the Super Bowl. Or I could have a half a game Yeah, wouldn't that mean something? I'd love to be sitting in a catbird seat and have you try and uh, do something like let's pick the total. 
on the Super Bowl. I was just going to say, yeah. I, might, I might have you pick the coin flip and, and the total for the Super Bowl, so be prepared. You, you know how I get when there I lose. We, we could have an entire show on uh, the props that get put out for the Super Bowl because every year they're adding more and more to them, kind of like bowl games in college football. But, yeah, that's the way I'm, I'm rolling. I'm going to roll with Superman and the guy that's gotten it done all year um, against the Arizona Cardinals. Wait, before we go off, can I give you some of my new uh, – I have a couple new things I'd like to go with uh, for overtime because the coin flip between the Jerome Bettis thing years ago and then last week just seems like it's too much for the refs. What about a best out of three, once, twice, three, shoot? Did you ever do that? On the coin flip? Play like, no, no, you go out to the center of the field, you, you, know, you wave your hand back and forth, once, twice, three, shoot, and you throw out a number, okay? I could just see you the throw. memes in the videos being put out about that animal and just totally clowning the National Football League. But I'm a rock, paper, scissors guy. My yeah, friend. I like rock, paper, scissors. We can do that. You know, you and I go to the center of the field, right? We have our helmets off. We're looking all tired and tough. And then, you know, you start waving your hand. I wave my hand. I throw out the rock. You throw out the scissors. I crush you. One nothing me. And we go best out of three. Whoever wins gets the ball first. This would be great if each team just decide, or you let the fans. How about this? The fans decide who are going to be the guys that go out to do. No, the here's what I want. So your son, your your one son is a natural on, born actor. Let me let me let okay. me finish on this one. Your fans decide who are going to be the guys that go out to the middle of the field. And so let's say in a Cincinnati Pittsburgh game where there might be an overtime, you definitely send out perfect uh, to the middle of the field. And, oh, yeah. you know, you could send out from Pittsburgh and Antonio Brown, or maybe you send out a James Harrison, and you let those two do the rock, paper, scissors. And just how, you know, the tension of the, the contact, that'd be really awesome just to watch something. That would actually, that would be pretty good. But here's what I want you to do, because you, you your son is a natural, your, your younger son's just a natural-born actor, okay? Him and that YouTube stuff. I want you to get yeah, him and one of his of friends. Around here. Yeah, we'll get him, well, him and one of his friends in full uniform, okay? Eye black everything. You take them to the center of the field and you film it, okay? And and you have one of your other friends be the ref, okay? And you and you, you put this up on YouTube. Okay, gentlemen, we're in overtime here. We know that the you know a touchdown wins the game, a field goal, the other team will get the ball. You go through all that and you say okay, and then you have them do rock paper scissors and send it to the National Football League. <laughs> there you go. Um, we probably you know what? Someone listening to this is going to get that done. Um, or or Emil just. For the Bravo Channel people, you could line two tough guys ten yards apart, and uh, whoever has the the bigger causes the bigger blowback. Their team gets the ball. How, how would that sound? <laughs> a head-on collision, and whoever falls back, your team is the one kicking off. Sound oh, good? We completely lost. We completely lost our minds here on a Friday. Yeah, we need to just come up with a top ten list of ways to uh, decide overtime in the NFL. It just doesn't involve playing. Let's just go really off the grid with it. I think we should try that. So that's your homework for you for the weekend. But for the rest of you guys, we'd like to thank you for listening to our Football Friday edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. We hope we have uh, both entertained and informed you here. And if you love the Gridiron Stud Show, we ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Tell a friend because the more the merrier. We want to, uh, again, thank you for joining us on the show today. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the games on Sunday. We're back Monday to talk about it all. I'll never look into your eyes again. Can
hey, man, how many offers do you have? Oh, I got about 10. Miami, Florida, Florida State, Auburn, USC, and more. How many you got? None yet. None? (laughs) Is this you? Are you sitting there with no offers whatsoever? Are you a good football player? Then head over to gridironstuds.com right now. At Gridiron Studs, you can create your own profile for free and post your highlight video. College football coaches are visiting gridironstuds.com on a daily basis looking for prospects. But they won't find you if you're not there. Don't keep your talents on the field a secret. Put up your free profile right now on gridironstuds.com and get college football coaches' eyes on you. Visit us now at gridironstuds.com or follow us on Twitter at gridironstuds. Gridironstuds.com. Make yourself be seen. 